You got a problem, you don't know what to do Your dreams are strange, and you're seeing things too The world is full of mystery Life's more than you can see You can ask pomegranate You can ask pomegranate She's a priestess Hello? shamans witches priests priestesses and psychics welcome to ask pomegranate i'm excited to talk to you today Uh, i wanted to talk about the topic of being transgendered multi-gendered non-binary gendered queer gendered um any gender you want to do i want to talk about that today because I think it's an issue that we're trying to understand, but I want to come at it from a magical standpoint and talk about how, um, why, why is it important to acknowledge this? And why is it important to let people be as gender diverse as they want to be magically? Culturally, obviously, it's important that we um, try to not be so binary. Binary means black and white, one or the other, one or zero, <laughs> you know, binary code and computers. Maybe it's because it's the computer age. We're getting so locked down to this binary idea, which really only has risen so strictly, almost in the, especially around gender, almost in the last 20 years. I don't know if you guys realize how much more strict we've become about binary gender in children, at least in the last 20 years. When I was a kid, there was no like need to constantly just make a distinction between boys and girls and the way they dress. Like we kind of dressed the same. And even in the eighties when I was a young woman, uh, you know, all the kids were wearing gosh, gosh by gosh, and you didn't have to uh, differentiate the gender. Now, like people actually come up to me because, and ask me about my grand person who doesn't, is not distinctly female or male. And they will often ask me what the gender is, like as if that's their business. I've decided my new line is going to be, what's your gender? What's going on with your genitalia? Because that's what they're asking. What's the genitalia on this person? I'm like, maybe I'll just say, hey, what's your genitalia? You first about the genitalia, you know, like, why do people think they, they get to know what a stranger's genitalia is doing? Because in thinking about that for a second, the reason they want to know is because they want to know how to treat him. He's a him for now, he says. Um, They want to know how to treat him. They want to know what to do to him. How do I treat you? And if you think about that for a second, that's what it's all about, right? All of this need to understand how you're categorized is because then it puts you in a caste system. And now I know how to treat you. So I need to know if you're black or white, right? I need to know that. I mean, are you black? I don't know. Maybe you are, maybe you're not, or are you white? Well, I need to know that so I can decide how to treat you. Subconsciously, I've been taught, I've been trained. You've got to know this so you can know how to treat a person. You got to, and usually it's like, so you can, you know, keep them in their place kind of thing. Um, Even needing to know if you're a woman or a man, if that's important for me to know, as opposed to just letting it be what it is you know, I present as woman. Excellent for me. You can call me woman. You can know that I'm a woman. That's fine. But if someone is choosing to be gender fluid, we can just let them be that way. Can't we? Why do we have to peg them down? Why do we have to peg down how long their ancestors have been in the United States? You know, how American are you? How much do you belong to whatever sect I'm in so that I can have the superior sect? And you know, I know I'm listening to a bunch of interesting psychic weirdos out there and you guys 
are in the same, you know, general clan as I am around the question of freedoms and, and autonomy. And, um, but I will say we all need to be aware of that thing that was driven into us, which is get to know who you're not so that you can identify with your people who you are, and then you can alienate and possibly oppress. The only reason we need to differentiate whether someone is black or white or their ancestors have been here for a long time or whether what gender they are or whether they're gay or not is so that we can oppress them. That is the only reason we need that. There is no other reason because, you know, as Tony Morrison says, there's no such thing as black or white. The only reason we develop black and white is so that we could say, well, we're white, which like I am what? What's white? I don't even know what the what white is. What I know is that I'm pale skin. What I know is that I'm my uh, mother and father are from Ireland, and that I'm from Canada, and that is what I know. And I live in the United States. Um, I don't know what that means. White. I know I need to be white in order so someone else can be black, and so then I know what to do with black people, which is basically keep them in their place and oppress them. And so that's partly why I reject the idea of being white. Um, because I'm pale skinned. If you wanted to go with that, well, stick with that. I'm definitely pale skinned. I'm on the scale up way up at the high end of pink. So, um, but that's not the magical part. I, that was just the political part, but the magical part of being gender fluid. Now, so when we talk about gender, when, one thing people know about is transgender. So, um, being transgender is, I was identified as a child as a certain gender. And now as I grow up, I'm like, I'm not identifying with that. That's what, that's basically what transgender is like. You've told me I'm a girl, but actually I feel more like a boy. I mean, can you imagine if we didn't tell anybody they were a girl, they wouldn't have to trans anything. They could just be whoever they are. We could just be open and curious and let people be who they are. So, uh, the magic of that idea, the magic of the idea of being fluid inside your gender so that your gender, was, gender wasn't identified with limiting factors or promotional factors. Like, you know, definitely if you're male in this culture, it's promotional. And if you're female, it's, it's limiting. And we see this in the, the phobia around, especially anybody who goes from male to female. What we see is a high degree of um, transphobia. And that's the people who tend to get more transphobia. Of course, all pe all people who are trans are completely, you know, harassed and harangued in this culture. And it's very unsafe and they need a lot of protection. But magically, it's the ability to morph shape. It's some, there are people whose gender f is so fluid that they might wake up in the morning feeling uh, female and go to bed at night feeling male. And that might change throughout the day. And that is a notion that is hard for us to understand that our gender is something far beyond who we have sex with, who we present as, how we want to move through the world, but actually something to do with self-expression and self-knowledge. And there's a story um, called The Twelve Wild Swans. And at the end of The Twelve Wild Swans, all the, all the children get turned into swans. And at the end, one child, uh, when the, all the brothers get turned back into humans, one child doesn't have a complete sweater and one of his arms is left out and forevermore he has that one arm, which is the winged arm. So he's part swan, part human. And that child is the magic child. That child is the changeling. That child is the one who walks in all worlds. That's the one who, whose fluidity can help him understand the nature of all beings 
And what a a thing to be able to be fluid inside your gender. And through magic, when we encounter magic and gender together, we can even let go of the idea of male or female, uh, of going from male to female or estrogen to testosterone influences. And we can start to think of our gender as an identifying idea, a a thing that that tells us who we are and lets us know how we move through the world. And if we replace him, her, she, they with different words that are more true about us magically. So if we allow ourselves to fall into a mythological state around our gender, if we allow ourselves to become something beyond this binary code, we can find our gender in different things. I did a reading for someone the other day, a person, and it was clear to me that that person's gender was actually beauty, that the be- there is a gender called beauty. I personally identify with several genders, one of them being queen. I identify with the gender of queen. I know people whose gender is chivalry. I know people whose gender is green, the color green. I know people whose gender is the shimmering silver upon a lake at the right moment of the afternoon when it's silver and just about to go to gold. And so if we allow ourselves to become dreamers in our gender, if we allow ourselves to become something magical in our gender, if we allow our our gender to be a vessel through which we shine, and you let any word come to you, imagine what your gender is. Your question's up next. You can ask pomegranate. You can ask pomegranate. We got a call from Alex who wants to know, what do you do when someone out there in the world insists on continuing to project an untrue story about you and goes around telling everybody who will listen all of these lies about you, even though Alex feels protected and safe, uh, they're really getting tired of getting the feedback from people hearing these untrue stories about them. So what do you do about that? Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> I know, right? It's terrible. Um, and I, as I say that, I wonder how many people right now are, are relating to you and relating to your story and are nodding their head and going, yeah, people are telling lies about me. Um, I, I myself have had that experience. There's, there's a perpetuating lie that seems like it won't die that goes on and around about me. Um, that is it's factually untrue like i could actually prove it was untrue um so i know it from the inside what it is like that um you know it it depends on how the person's doing it It, there is such a thing called libel and you certainly could i mean if they're writing it down or they're perpetuating in such a way that's you know slander or libel where they're actually lying about you in written form or in a way that's deleterious to you um but what is the social magical question about this? Uh, And how do we handle it? And I'm actually writing a little book called pomegranate Doyle's guide to gossip. I have to finish that book because it's about this topic and it's about how to gossip ethically. And the question of gossip um, has been attacked because people misuse it and because it's women's work, you know, it's women's work to keep people connected through gossip and it's, important to gossip. You know, if you're gossiping, good for you. Gossip away. We want to hear the gossip. We want to know what's going on. We want to hear the stories. We want to know if someone's in trouble. We want to know if someone needs help. We want to know if someone's gone off the rails. We want to know if 
um, people are still in the clan or out of the clan, if things are uh, needed, right? We want to hear the gossip. Also, it's fun. It's interesting. It's like storytelling. Humans, we love the story. Stories feed us on a level that nothing else can feed us on. We understand and perceive the world through stories. If I was going to define the humans in any particular way, I would say they are the storytellers. They are the ones who must have the stories. They must have words that exist so they can put things together and understand themselves in the world around them. And that's why the stories we tell are so interesting. And when we tell stories, we it's it would be nice to live in a world where we could sort of reject stories and go, we don't like that story, make that story go away. But actually, it's important never to reject any story ever. And I guess that's how I'm going to approach your question. Um, it's really important to never reject any story ever. All stories are a part of the human experience. So I think I've spoken of this before. When you look at the media, when you look at the horror films, when you look at what the media is trying to talk about and portray, especially mythological stories, um, sci-fi stories, or um, horror stories, you're seeing something that's trying to be hidden that will come out no matter what. The, the other thing that those stories do for us is they project a future that's possible for us to, like they're actually a guide for the world we can grow into. I still believe in the Star Trek future. Um, and all those lovely planets with the people with the homespun outfits and the high technology. I still believe we're going there. Um, so we got to embrace all stories. And so when there's a story being told about you, um, we've, and it's not true and it's actually harmful to your reputation. Uh, now we've fallen into a category called vicious gossip and vicious gossip is something that will always happen uh, with the humans as long as they are unhealed and wounded and vicious gossip is actively harmful and it actively um, does, or not does, but can hurt the people that are the subject of it. When we tell gossip that is mean, that is, you know, an attack on character, that tears down a person's uh, core self or injures the person's reputation, in a way that's like patently not true when we're doing that we're actually we're actually doing and all people who do this you don't have to be a witch to do this we're actually cur doing small little curses on people so the difference is um if you get a sense of i am a better person because i better than that person i'm now viciously gossiping about that's the difference between gossip and vicious gossip um, vicious gossip is i'm better than that person let me tell you what the stupid thing is they did um, versus gossip, which is, oh, this thing is happening and that is confusing to me and it makes me glad I'm not around that person anymore and I'm hurt for them and it's scary. That's not vicious. That's just having all your own experience around it, having your own story about the story. So vicious gossip is you feel better because they fucked up. You feel better because they're, they're, you know, they're, they're not as good a person as you, or you feel better because the story puts you in a victim light. So suddenly you're the poor put upon person. And when you're the victim in your stories, you better watch out. That's another bad thing. It's also a curse to the person because when you're the victim, it means you are trapped inside that story. So, um, I listened to the question. And so I know that this, the person is telling a story where, which puts 
her into a um, victim story and you into the victimizer. And so when a person's doing that, they're weaving a tale that entraps them. They're creating small curses, which attack you attack, but whatever we do, we attack ourselves. If, we ta- if I attack you, I attack myself. So witness all of the war that has ever happened, right? So, you know, you might go to war and then your whole country is screwed after the war is over for the next, you know, two generations because of all the PTSD uh, that comes back and then rips through the families. That's an example of how that works. So if I'm spinning a story where I am the victim and you are my victimizer, I'm not only cursing you, but I'm cursing myself and I'm cursing myself to live in a world where I'm a trapped victim and I have no empowerment, which goes against everything that we teach when we're teaching magic. It goes against everything we teach when we're teaching magic. When we're teaching magic, we're saying, look, you have personal power. You can tap into that and use it. We suggest you use it ethically and for the well-being of all, okay? So the first thing is you can see is that when someone's gossiping about you viciously, they're attacking the crap out of themselves. Whatever they're doing to you is nothing compared to what is they're doing to themselves. So that's phase one of what I say is that we look at, I'm always interested in the patterns because that's what I think magic is, is patterns of influence. Magic is patterns of influence. I'm doing this act. It's creating this ripple and this pattern. It calls things to me. It pushes things away from me. It creates an environment in which I live. And when I'm in that environment, uh, that's, that belongs to me. I'm the one who created it with the help of my parents training me to create it that way. I can unlearn what my parents taught me to do and I can learn new ways. And so then I can keep changing the influences in my life until I have the life that is vibrating at the speed that I want it to in the way that I want it to. Even when bad things happen, I can still choose to integrate those bad things into my life the way I want to. And as an empowered person, I can, I can experience difficult and painful things as valuable and useful. So that's where we want to get to when you're gossiping viciously. Oh, by the way, did I tell you that I used to be a terrible, vicious gossip? (laughs) So I know what it is on the inside. And what happens when you're viciously gossiping, you ever notice that all of you who, who are, have ever done it, Oh, that's probably almost all of you, by the way. We've all done it a little. I used to do it a lot. So I'm a kind of a queen bee of this. I know how to do this. Um, You get this feeling in your heart, a burning sensation after you've done it. You might get like a feeling of release and excitement while you're doing it, but you get a burning sensation in your heart afterwards. You get a burning sensation. And if you pay attention inside that burning sensation is kind of this feeling of emptiness or a black hole. It's like a black hole where you feel like there's nothing in there. And then around that is a terrible burning sensation. And that sensation is what is being expressed by the vicious gossip. That is what is being expressed. It's like a gravitational pull. And the feeling is when you're doing it, that if I can just pull in people close to me and that will do this with me, that I'll somehow, it's a really kind of a neurotic thing. I'll somehow be healed. I'll somehow fill that hole up. And you feel like you're going to do it by being mean. You're going to do it, but you don't see yourself as mean. You see yourself as a victim. By the way, if you are seeing yourself as a victim, you're actually being a bully. You cannot be a victim simultaneously and not be a bully. If you experience the world through a victim story, you 
are being a bully. You're doing it because it gives you power to manipulate the world around you. It gives you power to manipulate the world around you. It doesn't mean, I'm not saying you can't have had bad things happen to you. I'm not saying you can't have um, difficult times. I'm not saying you can't even have been victimized. We've, I've, you know, we've all been victimized, but it's how you deal with that victimization. It's how you deal with that injury um, and how you, how you see yourself and your ability to deal with it and empower yourself. That's what's important. And if you're telling a story about poor me, I, I can't because then you're in a victim story and victim stories are often, you use it to manipulate the world around you to get the things you want. It's a very disempowered way to bully the crap out of the people around you. And, you know, to some degree we kind of all do it. And so we can, but that's another thing we can unlearn. But the pattern is you've got a black, the truth is your injury is that you've got a black hole. Something's missing in you. Some, some part of who you are was not fed and nurtured properly. And so in an energetic patterning way, we have to notice something is missing. Something's missing from the heart. So the person who is viciously got vicious, viciously gossiping is actually acting out of this terrible, horrific pain. And that horrific pain, that burning in the heart, that emptiness in the heart is actually a kind of black hole that sucks other people who feel the same way in. Now that you know this person means that you were one time the same way. That you are no longer with that person, it means it's possible you are healing, so you're not around them. So the first thing you get to go is, yay, I'm healing my heart, and I don't have to be sucked into the black hole vortex or suck others into my black hole vortex of horror and shame and pain and difficulty. Yay! <laughs> okay, first victory. Second victory is the vicious gossipers are they're the sort of anti-beacon. Like, we want to be beacons of, of beauty, um, and the vicious gossipers are beacons of pain. And so what they'll do is they'll actually suck anybody who's into that mode. Anybody who enjoys hurting others through vicious gossip will be sucked over to them. So second victory is when someone is viciously gossiping about you, yay, they're going to be a filter for all of the mean people who like being mean. And they will go towards that person when they have a choice between you and them. If you're acting out of a place of healing and kindness, they will move away from you because that looks bad to them. And they will go to the person who is mean and who is gossiping viciously. They will go there. And that is a beautiful thing. It filters all the mean people out of your life. Hey, everybody who's viciously gossiping, do it some more <laughs> because it really makes all the people go away who you don't have time for. It's awesome. It's like such a beautiful thing. <clears throat> and think about it, guys. If you're listening to someone and they're viciously gossiping about someone, maybe someone you know, or even someone you don't know, because at this level, for me, the people who are talking about me don't even know me anymore. I mean, they never knew me. They haven't even met me, <laughs> which is, oh, I shouldn't laugh because it's kind of mad. It's not great for them. Um, it's okay for me, though, as I said, filter. So um, that, that person is talking and then they talk or if they, and they recounter you and they make a decision between you, assuming you're being kind and healing yourself. Uh, they make a decision between you two. That's their decision. And they made a good one, a good one for you and a good one for them because they don't have to be around you being kind because that hurts when you're in 
the process of being really stuck in your pain and telling yourself you have to be there because you're a terrible, horrible victim, and then you're bullying the world around you to get your needs met, you really shouldn't be around kind people because they'll only heal you. So when you're ready to get healed, go ahead and hang out with them. All right. So you get to just let them tell their story. This is their story. And oh, what is the name of the author who wrote The Four Agreements? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember right now. But that book, The Four Agreements, and one of the agreements is take nothing personally. You can't take it. That story that they're weaving is their hologram. It's their hologram. And in their hologram, you're the horrible monster. You know, you can have the your face be that, you know, take on that character. What does it matter to you? That's their hologram. In your hologram, you are who you are. And they are who they are. And for you to come to a place of healing and wellness, one thing you got to do is just accept them the way they are. And just be like, yeah, that's them. They're, they're telling those stories. And I can't control them. And I can't help them. And it's all right. It's okay. As long, you know, definitely you have to have magical protection on when people are viciously gossiping because they are sending little curses at you. And over time, they will become, um, you know, when I say like the words I use are enough, you curse a person enough times in a row over and over again that eventually you're waving a spell and creating a being, and that being is a demon. Okay, the four agreements uh, a practical guide to personal freedom, Don Miguel Ruiz and Janet Mills, but it's Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements, that um, talks about one of the agreements being take nothing personally. Thank you, my excellent producer, Kayleen Beaujolais, who got me that information on the spot as I'm talking. Um, okay, so that's what I say. Don't worry about it. Matt, in, in, don't worry about anything anybody's doing ever, because really your sense of who you are has to come from you, the center, we start with, when we do magic, we start, we center. The first thing we do is center, which means we come close into a relationship with ourselves. The first thing we do is center and we say, I am here and I am me in all my parts. And I would know myself in all my parts. Center, the star within, the first star. And then we, then the second thing we do is we ground. I don't know why we call it grounding because it's really becoming triple natured. So the first thing we do is center, I would know myself on all my parts. And that is being true and honest with who you are, in your fluid nature and all of your parts in whatever way you choose to express that whatever way you choose to shine that light out what filters you use. And then the second thing we do is we come to a place where we understand that the earth beneath our feet is a star. It's a cooling star. It's a fiery ball that is a cooling star and we belong to it. We are born from it. Our bones and everything we are that is part of our who we are is a part of that. And we notice that star and we say this star that I am connects to the star below. And then we pull that energy up through our breath. And then we send it up to the star above, which is either any star you choose, a star in the sky, the sun, or actually the energetic star that resides about a foot and a half, a foot and a half above your head in the chakra system, which is a white light that shines down. We connect to the celestial realm through that star, and we connect with that star, and you are a triple-natured star. Your relationship with the above and below is a star, and your internal self is a star, and that is the magic. 
And if you know that, then what whatever hologram you choose to create comes from that. And that's the power of magic. Whatever hologram you choose to create, whatever influence you choose to shine in the world belongs to you and you are responsible for it. And all of the stories are fine. Every story that is being told by every person is a fine story. It's all going to go into the Akashic Library after we're dead. It's all going to be informative. It's all, it's like the Akashic Library is basically Netflix for the spirit realm. Like, what are we going to watch today? Let's watch the one about the woman who's doing the vicious gossiping on that one guy one time. Okay. So <laughs> it's all fine from the spirit realm. It's like, yeah, it's all just an experiment. Let's try this horrible behavior and this wonderful behavior. But I prefer wonderful behavior. So I suggest to you that you just pay attention to your own hologram and what you're projecting and don't be a victim of this gossip because you're not it's like whatever you protect yourself from it and then you move on with your own life i have a psychic to recommend to you her name is iris mishanya and she is at blue medicinals with an s at the end at gmail.com iris can clear blocks and clear weird energies that have attached to you if you've gone wandering out in those dark alleys of the spiritual word world and gotten things attached to you you don't want or you're an empath whose heart is full of everybody else's energy you might want to go see iris she'll do a reading for you find out what's blocking with you and help you move along she also you'll see her groovy candles and um, clearing flower essences that she uses get a hold of her at blue medicinals at gmail.com and by the way everybody i recommend is somebody that i vouch for have been to and it has reasonable prices you can trust them because i do five two zero Two 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 ninety nine twenty two ninety nine twenty two. Hi, Pomegranate. I'm a fan. Thank you for your work. Um, my name is Elle, and I have a question about something that happens to me um, where I feel that I'm inside another person and I'm feeling what they're feeling and it's very intense and I think it's sort of beyond like intuition or empathy maybe it is those things I'm not sure but it's very specific um usually happens with family members or people I'm really close with um it happened with my ex that I had this distinct feeling that there was a dead man that he was dragging um and being with him made it so I was dragging the dead man and I was really tired all the time. Um, and then when my current relationship, I had this moment where I felt like I was sort of inside my partner's body and I could feel this disconnection he has with certain things and I felt it myself. And I think there's something... If I was a trained healer, I would do something with that or in that moment. But because I have this perception that I don't know what I'm doing, I feel uh, overwhelmed and don't really know what to do. I just sort of feel what they feel and can tell them about it. But um, So I was wondering what that is and, more importantly, what can I do uh, in terms of seems to me there's like a knob, like a doorknob psychically that I could 
close or open. Because um, this happened to me also with friends, if I'm sort of carrying their burden and things like that. Um, so I was just wondering if you had any advice. I do your meditation as a green light. I also do the shields every morning. Um, okay, thank you. Oh, sweetie. Oh, oh, honey, you know, you're an empath. What can I tell you? You got a problem, which is your psychic. How did we, how did, I don't know how we got to the place where the story that was told, the story that was projected onto the humans in the Western culture was, we don't know what other people are feeling. And we don't know what other people are thinking. I don't know how we got that story. Like, Everybody, unless you're a sociopath, and this is the problem you have if you're a sociopath, and we can help you. There's help for you, sociopaths. Um, everybody knows what everybody else is feeling to some degree. That's how we relate to one another. All, most of our relationships with people are nonverbal. We don't. You don't have to tell me you're mad for me to know you're mad. I mean, there's all kinds of physical cues. And also, hello, I'm an empath. I feel it in my body. And uh, what happens because of the lie that was told uh, that we can't feel other people's feelings. <laughs> how do we tell that one? I don't know how we told that one. We, people tell us stuff and we all just go, yeah, that's the way that is. Let's all just agree that's true, despite there being constant evidence that it's not. Again, that's one of those misogyny things because women are more empathic than, or people in with estrogen, I'll put it that way. People with a high degree of estrogen tend to be more empathic or third gendered people actually. Um, than, than people with testosterone because testosterone lowers your emotional experience. So, um, but we got told that one. Oh, you know what? I heard another one too, which is, I saw this on the Facebook, but it was a good article and it was, it was, it was not a fake one, but it was about how they've, somebody went and did a big study on people who they, after they die and they figured out that actually being fat's good for you. And most people who are fat are protected from heart disease and stuff like that, which is a thing I've kind of always known as a fat chick. I've always been like, yeah, it seems like the fat people in my family really live a long time and they die when they're really old and they, they seem fine <laughs> until they die. But anyway, not saying that you have to put on a few pounds, Kayleen, but if you do, don't worry about it. Kayleen is very thin. She's a little cutie. Um, <laughs> but isn't that interesting? Like that's one of those, another lie that this person studied over 3 million people and found out that actually in death, and I said this when my mother died, I'm like, who are the people studying my mother? I mean, she's 88. She was a fat chick her whole life, you know, into her adult years. And here she is living to 88 with no health problems until she dies. Like, come on, who's studying these people? Anyway, that's another story that it's being told that we've been told that even when I say it, can you even believe it? I can't almost believe it, even though I know it in my body to be true. Um, so this is a story that's been told a story that we don't know how other people feel. Everybody knows how other people feel unless you have something that makes you other. And that is makes it difficult for you to be in a social relationship with people because you can't tell how they feel. And everybody is so used to how, knowing how other people feel that you don't, you, we can't, we don't even know what to do with you. We just kind of let you run rampant on things and it doesn't work very well. Most sociopaths are unsuccessful in life. A few who are smart and charming get away with murder, like 
Dick Cheney, but the but the rest of them just sort of go, why can't I relate to anybody? Why can't I have any relationships? So you don't have that problem you, on the scale of empathy to sociopathy. You're way down at the end of I am a total empath. And so when we're total empaths, which means that we pick up in our heart chakra, which just means your heart. Okay. <laughs> all that means like put your hand on your heart you are having other people's feelings all day and all night like right now i'm having the feelings of the dog across the street for me it's like the dog across the street me is scratching at the window and he kind of does that all day when those people moved in i was like why do i feel isolated and alone frantic oh the dog across the street you know i mean that's why i find apartment buildings difficult because i actually can't don't want to be in an environment where I'm feeling everybody in the apartment's feelings. Um, so of course there's, you have to learn how to handle that. Right. But what you need to know is that you're having feelings that belong to the world. If you, the more important someone is in your life, the more your attention goes to them, the more you're going to have their feelings. And so that's just real. And I hear that you're doing the technique of, and this is what I recommend for empaths is that you do a technique where you call the, remember that I was talking earlier in the podcast about the triple stars, you call the energy down from the star above into your heart, and then you breathe out and you send a shield out. And when you're doing that, here's what's important. I don't know if you're doing it caller. When you're doing it, you're like, your intention is to clear out other people's feelings needs, wants, desires from your body. And you do that and you clear it out with a breath out and then you create a shield and then you clear it out the back and you create a shield. And that is a helpful daily practice. It sounds like it, you know, I find it very difficult to clear out people I'm having sex with because I'm having sex with them. The whole point of having sex is to having this really intense exchange inside your energy body. Like, you know, if you guys ever watch it, see any Alex Gray art, there's, he does some art about this energy exchange that happens during sex. And so that's for me, like if I want to stop right now, I can think about my husband and find out exactly how he's feeling, <laughs> like whatever he's off doing. Oh, he's having fun. He's fine. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. That's the report from Kevin. Good to know. Good to know. Everybody, now you all know he's doing fine. So what, what, and you're doing that practice and that's good. But what it means for you is that, um, you actually probably need to train. You actually are so empathetic that you actually need to integrate this in your life. You can't just be like, I'm empathetic, make it go away. <laughs> it, you could, but that's not good for you overall. You were born with this giant energy heart that's picking up and understanding the world around you. And there's probably something you will need to know how to handle that. But also then what do you do with that? What is the value of that? And the value of it, of course, is you can have deep relationships. So the first thing is you're going to need to radiate towards people who are res being responsible for their emotional life. Because if you're hanging out with people who are emotionally irresponsible, then you're, you're, you're swimming in a dirty pool, okay? <clears throat> you want to go swim in the clean pond in this pristine forest with the lovely water and the beautiful waterfalls. You don't want to go get in the one that is like the Hanford uh, cooling station water pool, right? You want to, you want to be in clean water. Not everybody's going to have lots of emotion. It doesn't mean people don't have emotions. It means that people are identifying their emotions are handling their emotions are 
trying to understand the ancestral wounding that they carry, are getting therapy, are doing their healing work, and are working and are acknowledging their emotional life and healing it. That's what's going to be important. Now, how do you find those people? It turns out it's sort of what, like I said in the last one, you do your healing work, you begin to move away from the influence of people who aren't doing their healing work and you begin to call in people who are doing their healing work. So that's the first thing. It's you need to do your own healing work around your own emotional state so that when you get people coming in with their feelings, you can differentiate them from you. The reason I can handle it, the reason I knew it was a dog across the street street is because I know that I'm not isolated and alone and feeling a sense of longing and pain. I know that I'm not. I know that I'm absolutely doing great and that nothing is bothering me and I can tell how I feel. And then I can go, what's a, who, uh, what the heck is going on with who? So if I'm in an environment and some new influence comes in, I can understand that that influence isn't just me going into a weird mood for some weird reason. It's actually, you know, Sally Sue Smith who just came through the door and is pissed off and pretending she's really happy. Uh, I can go, Oh, Sally's pissed. Okay. What do I want to do? I think I'll leave the party. Sally bothers me. Or I think I'll go over to this corner and not talk to Sally. Or I think I'll go, Sally, you're my best friend. What's bothering you? Right. Depending on how close they are to me, I'll deal with it. So first thing is notice your own feelings understand your emotional state plenty of podcasts on the six feelings but i will state them again for you all because feelings want to be complex they want our human minds want to blow up the feelings into complex stories and very big long elaborate words i have ennui you know i am repelled in a very in a very way that makes me desire the thing, right? You know, that's what your brain wants to do with it. But let's just tell what your heart wants to do. The brain that is your heart and the brain that is your heart says there are these things, anger, sadness, fear, happiness, shock, disgust. That's it. That's all there is, folks. It's one of those six and or a combination of those six, but please just get them down to, I feel angry and afraid instead of, I have ennui and wish I could become a vampire. You know, no, <laughs> no, you're just sad. You know, like I was talking about the gossiping people there, those gossiping people are terrified. They're afraid and they're afraid on a high level scale. The other things you can do with emotions is you can go, what's my level of fear? One to 10, one being I'm quite calm and I don't feel very strongly about this, tend to be very strong. And then the, then the second thing is place it. This fear is a fear in the past. This fear is a fear in the present. There's something really going on right now that's actually happening that I'm afraid of. This fear is a fear in the future. I'm worried about the future. And just place it in time because time magic is an important thing. Getting a handle on things are important. So I feel angry about the past. I'm afraid because the dog is now going to burst through that window and come over here. No, I'm afraid because the present moment is scaring me and or I'm uh, sad because I think in the future, all the people I love will die and they will in a hundred years, all new people. So placing time and placing the scale. So I'm an eight sad in the past. Okay, that's an example. Once you get to know your own feelings, you can start to handle other people's feelings. And mostly what you're going to ask yourself is the classic question, is this my business? You know, <laughs> is, is my ex, who seems to be haunted by a ghost that he is in denial about, 
and is in terrible pain, my business. I'm guessing the answer to that is in the word my ex. <laughs> no, he's not your business. Now, if he's in your present, he's your business to the degree of you say, hey, do you want to go deal with the fact that you got a ghost attached to you? Because it's making me crazy and I can't deal with you. Like it's yours, but not. It's his. It's up to him if he's going to deal with it or not, right? So it's about learning that proper boundary. But mostly for you, you got to train. You got to find someone to work with who can train you. Either you got to become a therapist because therapists empaths as therapists who are well-trained therapists are very good at their job or you might be a medical empath where you can read where the, whether people have illnesses in their body by feeling it in your own body or you might uh, become a, a hands-on healer and if you become a hands-on healer go to a program that really teaches good energetic boundaries not just regular like you know, here are the rules of being a healer, but actually how to do energetic boundaries. So like acupuncture or something like that. Um, you might want to get a reading from, I think we're going to advertise Iris May on this show and she will help you. And she does phone readings, people who are in, uh, other parts of the world, you can call her on the phone and she will do a phone reading for you. And she's very reasonably priced and kind of a genius psychic and a major empath. So, um, what I would start with is that I would start with that. Um, okay. So let's see, Kayleen, what else should I say? Is that good? Any other tips you want me to talk about with empaths? Okay. So Kayleen says, um, that you, you might feel weird about telling your partner that you're an empath. So what I'll say to you about that is you have the wrong partner. If you have a partner that can't accept the fact that you can feel how they feel, which is like so normal, just our culture has lost its damn mind around this. Yeah, reading minds is pretty easy too. I can also read your mind, like figure it out. If I'm having sex with you, I know exactly how you feel at any moment of the day, no matter where you are in the planet. And I can also know what you're thinking. I can actually hear your thoughts. You know why? Because I'm a human being. I'm not that unusual, guys. I'm just kind of a regular everyday run-of-the-mill psychic and you are one too so if you've got a partner that won't support you in that you may need to go the other way again it's about what pool you're swimming in you need to be in a pool that supports you that lets you be you that understands you and that people are actively doing their own healing work empaths cannot tolerate being around a group of people who are in a lot of emotional pain unless they have put their shields up and their home life is good and clear. Like you can go do it as your job, but you need to have a place to come back to that sanctuary. Okay. So just face facts, honey, you're an empath. You got to deal with it. It's not going to go away. You got to learn the tools. And the, the thing I gave you was one small tool that one of breathing in. It's one small tool. Keep using it, but face facts, face facts, girlfriend, you got a job being an empath. Okay. Okay. I have a psychic to recommend to you. Her name is Iris Mishanya, and she is at Blue Medicinals with an S at the end at gmail.com. Iris can clear blocks and clear weird energies that have attached to you if you've gone wandering out in those dark alleys of the spiritual world and gotten things attached to you you don't want, or you're an empath whose heart is full of everybody else's energy, you might want to go see Iris. She'll do a reading for you, find out what's blocking with you and help you move along. She also, you'll see her groovy candles and um, clearing flower essences that she uses. Get a hold of her at bluemedicinals at gmail.com. 
And by the way, everybody I recommend is somebody that I vouch for, have been to, and it has reasonable prices. You can trust them because I do. You can ask pomegranate. You can ask pomegranate. Dear Pom, thanks so much for your podcast. I find it very helpful. Um, in a recent one, you talked about how our subconscious fears manifest in our life. Um, and I'm very, very, very close to my mother. Um, we're very good friends. Um, and she's had bifocal detached retina, which has made her almost disabled. Um, she has lost vision from one eye completely and then had really difficult surgeries the summer before last, so 2014. Um, and I was with her alone, taking care of her during the surgeries where she might have gone blind. And it was very stressful. And also they told me that uh, it's possible I had the same thing because it's hereditary. Um, I talked to another friend who's a doctor. She said that often uh, illnesses repeat between parents and their offspring, and um, but that 80% of the ones that repeat are actually not genetic or hereditary. There's something in us that often just makes the disease, you know, mirror our parents. Um, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. I went through a lot of fear with my mom, like her fear of getting blind, my fear of having the same thing. We're also just so close that there's a lot of, I don't know, empathy and, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of her disciple in a lot of ways. I've learned so much from her. She's really tough. Um, anyway, it was just really difficult to see her so vulnerable and uh, I was terrified to have the same thing. And very quickly in about six or seven months, they started finding signs of that in my own eyes. Um, they did a little bit of treatment in one, and um, now it looks like they might have to do in the other. I'm not in bad shape. This is more like a long-term thing where I might have the same thing that my mom has at some point. Uh, and my question is, <laughs> uh, is there a ritual you can think of to, if if it is my fear making this manifest, to to stop that. I I think I have a lot of access um, to help in terms of the universe. I feel very connected, and I do think that if it is, if I am making this happen, I think that I actually have a chance at stopping it. I'm so very sorry that your mother has gone through this difficult, scary thing with her eyes. I mean, yeah, that's a very terrifying. And it's such an important part of how we experience the world. The way that um, we're talking today on this podcast a lot about 
patterning and influences. And we're talking about how energies come and go from us. That's the topic. How other people label us and tell us who we are and how we have to fight to be like, no, I'm actually way more interesting and unusual than that small label. How people project their own feelings onto us. How we pick up other people's feelings and then become a part of who they are and their feelings are our feelings. And in this case, you're actually um, patterning yourself to be in your mother's pattern and you you know maybe you were even born in that pattern of course you were your she's your mother but you might have even gotten the genetic patterning for the eyes and the detached retina i don't know but what i do know is that we do have we um i mean you know everything shamans and witches say eventually science falls up follows up and they'll say, you know, you can have two twins and the twins will have the same diseases, but because of the way that they live, because of the way that they eat, because of the way that they think, because of the relationships they develop, they turn certain buttons on. I think they're called alleles. That might be not right, but they turn them, they switch them on and off in their DNA and they actually structurally change their DNA. And this is why I think we can have, um, an evolution that is sudden because we do, we have sudden evolutions right now. The human race is trying to have a sudden evolution out of, um, this sort of lizard brain, greedy, needy. I can't get enough. I must not have more. I must to in order to feel safe thing and into a more humanitarian interconnected clanship thing. That's, as, that's the evolution we're trying to do, and we're going to try to do it in a generation or two. We have to because uh, the planet's not going to sustain us because we are really good at wrecking things. <laughs> we're good at building things and wrecking things. So we're going to have to have a huge uh, evolutionary change inside of our bodies, our DNA, as well as inside of our spirit. Uh, we're going to need to do that. And we're trying to do that. And that's actually the entire project, as far as I can tell, of all the shamans, which is magical creatures and spiritual beings that have come to the planet right now, which is a lot of us, is to make this evolution. And so um, karmically, your question is actually, am I karmically needing to have my eyes go wonky? Is that is that an important part of who I need, what I need to have stimulating me it was a part of what your mother needed your mother needed her eyes to be um a focal point and the idea of blindness to come into her life and to go through whatever she's going through with her eyesight um that's your mother's deal and your mother needed it and she's she's having it and how far she needs to go with that i don't know um, but are you the, are, do you need this too? Or are you just so energetically connected to her and so in sympathy with the, with her that you're repeating her patterns unconsciously? And we do that with our mothers because our mothers and us are this, we're the same person. Like, unless you start explaining to your body that you're not your mother, your body thinks you are your mother. So, um, people will get the same illnesses like crazy. I mean, I knew a woman who just got the same cancer that her, she just helped her mother for the last two years, uh, die from this cancer and within three months developed the same cancer within three months and has that same cancer and is now dying from it. Um, possibly it looks like she's going to die from it, but maybe not. So that, that's like so real. It's not even funny. The only question you have to ask yourself is, is that my karma or can I explain to my body? Hello, body. You know how you came out of that lady over there and you know how it feels like we're the same thing. And you know how we share cells? Cause we do. 
um, well, you're not her and you actually get to go on a completely different path and you get to go on a completely different karma than her and you get to heal the ancestral wound that she carried and pass on to me and not have to go through those same things. You get to do that. And that that is a really good thing for all of us to explain to our bodies because it's not necessary for us to go in lockstep along with what our ancestors did or what the energy was that came through or even the biological stuff. Now, if it's your karma, it won't go away. If you do the magic that I'm going to explain to you to do, the karma, it will be your karma. And then you can go, all right, what's, and you should do this anyway, what's the value in this? What's the lesson in this? What can I see when I can't see with my eyeballs? So if, when the question of blindness comes up, you might want to just go, all right, let me spend some time with my eyes closed. <laughs> you know, let me get into that thing. Let me get into the thing that I'm most afraid of. Let me totally envelop myself in being unable to see through my eyes, but then what is left for me to see? How can I see the world without seeing with using my eyes? And I'm not saying hear the world. I'm not saying taste the world, feel the world. I'm saying see the world. What are the visions and things that you can see when your eyes are closed? That would be the first thing I would do. What can I see when I can't see? And what can, how can I develop my third eye, my ability to penetrate and see images, to see into things, to see patterns, to understand the world from a psychic standpoint, because when your eyeballs aren't working, you still can see psychically. And, you know, obviously, it's very true that the, your psychic ability can even get enhanced. That's why when psychics go to do psychic work, the first thing they will often do is close their eyes because they want to close off the outside stimulation and pick up the pattern inside and understand what that is. <clears throat> so in a way, you have to kind of embrace it a little, not embrace that your eyes are going to get hurt or your retinas are going to de detach, but what is it to let go of seeing for a minute? What is it to let go of seeing the world through those two things and see through the third eye? So that would be the first thing, practice I would begin to develop. I would just have a daily practice of letting go of the eyes and letting myself see. And it's interesting that um, this is such an important part of your mother's personal life, her growth, her sense of self, her willingness to be vulnerable, her willingness to be helped, her willingness to um, connect, that you're really sinking into her and sinking up with her. And I can see it as I look at you, as I close my eyes and I look at the two of you. Yeah, you guys are so synced up. And it's, it's a little too much. You're actually, frankly, a little too synced up with her. So, um, yeah, this happens so much. Like uh, the other thing that will often happen is when a parent will die. And when the child gets to be the age that the parent died, if the parent dies young, the child will often die at that age too, because they're like, they don't have a role model or a sense of how to live longer than that. That is another thing that happens. So, um, what I'm going to suggest that you do is that you really start to have some, I don't know how much you talk to your mother on the phone or you spend time with your mother, but when you're not with her, I really want you to think about uh, what it's going to be like when she's dead. That's the first thing you can start with because when your mom dies, what happens is you, the, the, those cells that are the mirror cells in her die too. It's really interesting. Um, you feel like when your mother dies, you feel like you're dying. 
And there's steps along the way. And this is why it's so important that we have these rites of passage that we don't no longer have. Like we've stuffed all of our rites of passage into the wedding ceremony, which is like, mm. like it's really shouldn't be every damn rite of passage should not be the wedding ceremony. The wedding ceremony should be the rite of passage for I'm going to mate with this person. Let's try to do this now. But what it's turned into is I'm going to differentiate from my parents and, and then over connect with this other person. So there should have been a ceremony for you when you were a teenager. Um, Unless you're Jewish, you didn't have it, like a bat mitzvah or a, a, a differentiation ceremony where you step away from being a child of your mother's. And this is literally what you have to do. I suppose it's become drive your child to college in middle class people's lives. That's the, the ceremony, right? But you actually need a magical ceremony, which is a differentiation of like, I am no longer your child. I step through the gate into full-on womanhood, which means I am my own self. I am my own individual self, and my path is my path, and your path is not my path. And I love you, and I'm connected to you, and you're wonderful, and you're my mom, and everything is wonderful about that, and some things are not wonderful because moms are difficult, even when they're the best moms in the world. But I say I step into my own world. I step into my own path. I clear myself of you being my mother, you being my nurturer, you taking care of my every whim or me taking care of your every need. And I step into adulthood and we are two individuals on the planet and I will have my life, which has its own path and you will have your life, which is its own path. And even as I say this, I can hear people having a negative reaction to this in my mind. Am I just making this up? Because it sounds so radical to me. Like, you're going to not be the child of your mother anymore. And it's like, yeah, you're not. You're an adult. You're not going to be the child of your mother. You're not a child. Okay? You're an adult. And she is no longer needing, she no longer needs to mother you. She needs to be a person you love who is in your life, who has their own life to live. And you are a person in her life who has their own life to live. And that might be very parallel paths. Those paths might be going side by side in a very, the same way. All the things are the same. Or you might be in a completely different path than her and still, but you can still stay completely connected to her, still love her, still enjoy her, still be devoted to her. But from the place of I am an individual living my own life and living out my own karma. I don't have to choose to repeat her karma because she's doing that already. What do you need to do it for? I mean, unless you really need this experience with the eyeballs, uh, which you will have if you need it, you will have it. You can't stop it if you need it. You don't have to go down that road. It's interesting. My mother was partially blind and also then got cataracts. But she was so psychic, like, I'm not kidding. This is an aside story. I got to tell the story because it's kind of hilarious. So like my mom, she's blind in one eye. She's completely blind from childhood. It's just a normal part of her life. And the other eye worked. And so <laughs> she gets in her 80s. She gets cataracts. She's still driving. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? So I, I say, I'll get in the car with her. It's icy. It's snowy. It's stormy. It's Toronto. Get in the car. She, I'm like, I'm going to see how this crazy old lady's driving. And so she she gets in the car. She drives on those icy roads. She drives. Cataracts. She can't see. Nothing. I'm not kidding you. She drives into this crazy parking lot with tons of traffic. All this ice. Slippy, slidey. And she pulls into that parking spot on a dime. Like she landed. You know how she was driving? 
psychic driving the same way she gambled my mother used her her ability to drive and with cataracts and to gamble she never lost any money in a casino because she psychically figured out what slot machine was the one that had the payoff and would go to it and get the money (laughs) that's what she did with her psychic ability after she was done using it to protect her children which is what she used it for we were children we were kids so um that's a little aside hilarious mom but then she got the cataracts taken off and she said, who's that old woman in the mo- in the mirror? Suddenly she could see they replaced the lens of the one she couldn't see. I don't know how that happens. And she, she could see better in the last uh, eight years of her life than she could her whole other part of her life. She said, the colors are so bright, but who's that old lady in the way in the mirror? <laughs> okay. So what you're going to, what you're going to do caller is you're going to, you're going to do develop a practice of closing your eyes and not seeing for like a minute a day and then just let yourself see otherwise just let yourself see through that third eye let yourself know that you're i guess my mom wanted me to tell you that story because she, my mom's dead you know so she's talking to me she's like you can see without seeing not that i suggest people go around driving like don't do that my mother i don't know she just she was special she had a real ability but you can see without seeing practice that practice because one of the benefits of not being able to see very well is actually being able to see with your third eye better so just Grab that benefit without losing your sight or before your sight goes weird. Do that first. Just develop that practice. So just closing your eyes and just paying attention to the images that come forward. And sometimes the best time to do that is when you go to sleep at night and you close your eyes. Just pay attention to the images that fly across your mind. I call that my um, my psi mail. I get my psi mail at night when I go to bed. What's my psi mail? dragons oh cool and then i also get it in the morning by doing the same thing um wake up groggy spaced out close my eyes get the side mail okay that's step one step two is you need to design yourself a little ceremony where you graduate from being child to being adult i am an adult i have a mother who raised me she's done raising me she has her own path i have my own path they will meet connect go back and forth whatever pattern they take, they take, but I am on my own path and I am not on her path. And I love her and I will always love her and I get to have my own life. And you really need to do a little ritual for yourself where you actually step through um, a gate of some kind. And maybe the first half is, you know, writing down all the stuff that's like, who you were as a child and how you were connected to your mother as a child and how devoted you were and all the things that you, that she wanted from you, that you wanted to give her that kind of thing. And then we step out of that and leave that behind and we step into a full adult and who am I? What do I want for my life? What is, what are my dreams and goals? What is the karma I would like to fulfill who and not worry about what she wants for you or what she thinks she should do, but actually really differentiate that from that from the child role into a full adult role of equal power and decision making. And and notice all the ways you are not like your mother in that second half. So now you're gonna write down here is the ways that I am an individual and write all of those down and you can step into that life and that will really help you. Because when if you are still bonded to your mother as if a child, which is what I'm seeing, when she dies it's gonna be so difficult on you. 
It'll be too difficult. You need to actually do that rite of passage. Um, because it's already hard enough when your mom dies, no matter what your relationship is, it's already hard enough to let her go and let that part of who you are die. But you, so that's why we have to have rites of passage along the way where we differentiate from our mom. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to say you should do about that. And, and you get to be afraid of the future where you are just going back to the last conversation. You're in fear. Notice the degree that you're in fear about your own eyes. And you're in fear about the future. Okay, so we know where the fear is. You're not afraid right now. Right now, you can open your eyeballs and see. So what does the fear want? The fear wants to know if you're safe right now. All we can do is deal with right now. Is there anything you need to do right now for your eyesight? Is there anything you need to do right now for your eyesight? And that is the question your fear is asking you. Because your fear is in the future. There's nothing you can do. You're not in the future. When you get there, do it. But right now, if you have the practice of what can I do for my fear right now? So that might be, you know, doing everything the doctor says, but also just like, you know, take an interest in the fact that you can see, like take an interest in a creative way, in an expressive way, in a beautiful way, instead of just being frozen with fear how, how much more can you enjoy the colors around you? How much more can you express yourself through what your what the influence of being able to allow the feet, those, those colors and shadows and shapes to come into your eyes, allow yourself to really get connected to the fact that you get to see one day you will not see because one day you will be dead. One day you will not be in this body. You will not be tomorrow. You will not be who you are today. And you won't be able to see tomorrow what you can see today because tomorrow you'll be a different person. One day you will not be able to see because you will be old and your eyes won't work. Or one day you will not be able to see because of any other reason. But right now you could open your eyes and be fully present and see what is the view, what is the value, what is the beauty, what is the influence that your eyes are able to take in now. And give yourself on a moment after you've closed your eyes and seen with your third eye to open your eyes and take in whatever is right in front of you, whatever beauty you see. And just really experience the beauty of those eyeballs and their ability to see because sometimes we get so involved with the drama and the story of our lives and of the world and the chaos of the world and the things that are going on. As I speak, it's shortly after all of the things that are going on in Beirut and Paris with the terrorist attacks. And we forget that I can open my eyes in this moment and I can see that poinsettia that I've been poinsettia that I've been keeping alive all year coming back into its red and it's just the hint of red against the green leaves and that plant lived all year and now it's coming back to its season of red and that red and the green and the light shining through it is so stunning and at this moment I can just allow that to be healing for me that green and that red together can heal me that plant heals me through the oxygen it gives me but it heals me through its beauty and I can be present with that So that's the invitation. That's the invitation. Mm
spheres of influence. How are you influencing the people and the beings around you? And how are you being influenced? Paying attention to the magical patterns. Who are you who you want to be? Are you drawing in the influences you want? Are you shining out the influences you want? Who are you? What is the patterns you're making? How are you healing the world? Are you allowing yourself to evolve? That's the question. That's the question. I'd like to thank Kayleen Beaujolais, my most excellent producer for this one and yet another wonderful podcast. Thanks for listening. Psychics, evolutionaries, wizards, witches, weirdos. You're rocking the world. Even if you're doing it quietly by yourself and no one knows what you're up to, you're transforming the world. Thanks for listening. You can ask pomegranate. You can ask pomegranate. She's a priestess.